Juggling motherhood and modern day life can be stressful and relentless, but it doesn't need to be this way. The Joy of Being podcast is the answer to maternal mental health, bringing sustainable relief and calm to hardworking mums everywhere so that you your family and work can thrive. My name's Marina Pearson and I'm your host, transformational coach and mum who loves to interview business owners, transformational professionals and creatives to have insightful conversations about what it takes to really live a life that is thriving, fulfilling and full of joy. And today I've got some amazing news. You can now order your very own version of the Joy of Being book, supporting hardworking mums to stress less and live more. If you're the type of mum who is struggling with the burdens of motherhood or modern day life, then this will be a perfect book for you. If you're curious, you want to know more and you want to see what's up with that book, you can do so at www.marinapearson.com slash book. And on today's show, I have the wonderful and beautiful Ian Watson. Funnily enough, I reached out to Ian recently because I wanted to talk about something that I really get excited about, which is how we can manifest whatever we want into our lives. I don't know, for some reason, I thought Ian would be a great candidate for this. Little did I know that when we actually got on the call, he was telling me that he'd been actually observing and reflecting on manifestation for quite a while. He'd been really into it for quite a few years. And then sort of from the perspective that we are coming from, he decided to see it differently. So it was funny because in fact, he actually knows a lot about the subject. It's something that he actually is very excited about. And so he was the perfect person to bring this conversation to life. Little did I know. Ian is a colleague and he's also been working in this well-being space for the last, since 1988 as a homeopath and then back in 2011 as a three principles practitioner. Aside from that, he's helped thousands of people go from feeling off balance, off kilter into a place of peace and love and harmony. And we talked about how it's possible to manifest, what are the ingredients that we need to manifest, and how we repel the things that we want to manifest from our lives. So if you're want to, wanting to manifest, you're wanting to understand manifestation at a deeper level, you're wanting to create something for yourself and it just ain't working, then this is going to be an amazing episode for you. Enjoy. So welcome, everybody. It's amazing. I have Ian Watson on here today. And for those of you that have read my book, you'll know that one of his quotes is actually in it. I'm going to, I think it was, when you realize you don't need anything at all, you're free to have it all or something of that. Did I just totally bastardize it? (laughs) Paraphrase, perhaps. (laughs) It's close. (laughs) Close, right? And today I thought we could talk about manifesting. Um, it's not something that we've I've spoken about at all on any of the podcasts yet. And I don't know, I just reached out to Ian because it just felt like the right person to talk about it. So here we are. Welcome, Ian. Well, that's great. Thank you. That's cool. I was thinking that you're doing a whole series on manifesting or something, but I'm honoured. <laughs> no, um, it's a topic I haven't really spoken about. So we've t- spoken about results. And then I was reflecting the other day on how this whole manifesting thing works. And I wanted to kind of have a conversation about it to see if I could see anything new in it. It's totally selfish, of course. Um, And you came to mind. so I like it as a topic. And it's one of those topics that I think is worth revisiting periodically because you do see it differently, or at least I do. And I'm sure you have as, as the years go by. So how do you see it now, Ian? Um, okay, so I've got a number of ways that I see it, actually. I don't just see it in one way. So for me, there's a few different ways that, that you can approach it. And, I, and I'm not claiming that any of them are the right way or, you know, the true way, because I'm aware that my own viewpoint on it has changed. Um, I think for me, one of the key points of uh, departure from the, uh, let's call it the uh, traditional way of looking at manifesting or the way that I learned when I first came across it, the idea was that uh, what we think we create, that we use the power of thought to bring stuff into our life, to manifest, you know, the um, circumstances, the job, the house, the partner, whatever it is that you want to bring into your life. We use thought, we visualize, or we maybe use that together with affirmations and, through the power of thought, we can attract stuff to us. 
That's, that was the, let's call that version one <laughs> of, the, of the manifestation game. That's kind of the general norm, right? Like the secret and all of that sort of thing, right? Yeah. So I played with that for a while and my experience of it, I think, is not unlike most people's, which is seems to work spectacularly sometimes and then not at all <laughs> on other occasions. I mean, you know, my experience was that there were numerous things that I tried to manifest that just didn't show up. And there were things that, def- that showed up in my life that I definitely didn't order. Right, that's so interesting, yeah. <laughs> so there seemed to be this, in, there, were, uh, there must have been other factors at work that I wasn't taking into account. Um, but nonetheless, it's a fun game to play. And, and I think there is some truth in the fact that when we get clear on, on a direction or we have an intention for something in our life and we orient ourselves in that direction, let's say it seems to increase the likelihood of it happening. It doesn't guarantee that it's going to happen, but it, you know, it moves us in a certain direction. I noticed, for example, that you develop eyes for something that was invisible to you before when you set an intention for it. You know, things start appearing in, in your field of vision that were probably were there already, but now they're very much in your face. You recognize them. So there's, there's something going on there, which I thought was interesting. But then when I came into the understanding of the three principles, what that revealed to me was that thought creates your experience and specifically your felt experience. Everything that you feel and experience on the inside is created through this power of thought 100%. Now, that was intriguing to me because uh, I kind of intuitively knew that that was true, but I had to run the experiment and I'm still running the experiment <laughs> to really, you know, to really find out, well, really, like all, of, all of it. <laughs> And is it really a principle? Is that something that's really reliable? And it seems to be so. I mean, I can't claim to see that in every area of my life. I don't. But every area that I investigate and I look and I stay open to that possibility, sooner or later, sure enough, it seems to be the the case. So that looked to me like another perspective on this uh, manifestation phenomena. And it looked to be a bit more consistent and reliable than the earlier version. So in that sense, it was, it was more interesting to me. And what it did for me, it tied something together that had, um, I'd come across many years ago, which was the fact that uh, we, can, we can manifest stuff in our life and thinking that that's what we want or need and that it's going to be beneficial for us only to find that we end up feeling pretty much the same way as we felt before. In some cases, even worse. <laughs> and I, I remember I had this phrase that uh, it was a quote actually from a guy called Hugh Prather, which I came across at least 25 years ago, where he wrote, no matter how good my life gets, my ability to make myself unhappy is always equal to it. Mm. And I thought, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I recognize the truth of that. And what I read into that was it doesn't matter how good I am at creating stuff. It's not the stuff that gives me the feeling that I'm really after. And so that was more the the path that got interesting to me is rather than manifesting stuff for its own sake, what are, what am I really after when I, when I say that I want this change in my circumstance, when I say that I want more money or I want a nicer living place, what do I really want? I get under the skin of it. And every time that I tracked a desire in that, in the, with that in mind, what I found was what I really want was to feel different on the inside. Mm. I want more money because I've been feeling insecure, and I just want to feel more secure. You know, I want to relax around money. Uh, I want to be in a relationship because I've been feeling lonely or you know, a, a lack of love in my life. I want another living place because I want to feel freer than I feel in this one. It was always connected to a feeling state. So once I saw that, and I, and, I, and I asked a whole bunch of people that I was working with over a period of years, I mean, literally several thousand people, tell me what you want, what do you really, really want? You know, and, and I went through this journey with them of helping them to uncover what they thought they wanted versus what they really wanted. And it always led in the same direction, from something external to something internal. And that, that's where that quote that you mentioned occurred to me, where, where it really came from. What I started to realize was that 
as long as we think we need something outside in order to feel okay on the inside or to feel better or to feel different, we're caught in some kind of an illusory trap that never satisfies, mm. never gives us what we want. We always end up then chasing something else and then something else. You know, it's an endless search. Whereas once we turn that equation around and we find <laughs> what I came to, the equation that I came to was something like this. We don't really want what we say we want, what we think we want. What we want is how we imagine we will feel when we have what we say we want. What we imagine we will feel, right? <laughs> Underlining in the word imagine. Because the, the misunderstanding, of course, is that that achievement, that thing, whatever it happens to be, is somehow going to give me the feeling, which mm. is what I'm really seeking. That's what the three principles of understanding helped to unpick for me. It helped to clear that up, is that that's not where the feeling comes from. You can access the feeling anytime, any place, under any circumstance, with or without any of the things that you think you need. <laughs> that's freedom, realizing that. It's like, I can relax now. I don't have to wait until my bank balance changes. <laughs> right? <laughs> I thought, I used to think I did. It, did it, it didn't seem conceivable to me that I could be relaxed around money when I didn't have any or when I was in debt. And then I saw that when I did relax around it, something shifted inside me. Guess what happened? I became way more effective at creating money <laughs> or anything else. That's, that's where the idea came to me from was, was the idea of when you give up the need for the thing, when you know that your well-being doesn't depend on it, then you're free to have it, but it's playful. It's playful, and it's kind of okay whether, it, whether you get it or you don't. There isn't that attachment to the, the outcome in the same way. So for me, that's, that was one of the missing pieces in the traditional understanding or the early version of the understanding that I had was the, the recognition that only thought creates feeling. Nothing else does that. Well, there's another missing piece as well, which I don't know if you want to just unpick that first or should we go straight on to the other piece? <laughs> well, what was coming to mind was that I would love, love you to share like an example of that in your life. When you've just realized, okay, so my feelings of security and well-being don't lie in the thing. Okay. So, so is there a story in which... Yeah, I've got many. Um, Hit one. Hit one, one. I've been interested in it for a long time, so I noticed yeah. these things. And, um, and I, you know, I, I've always been paying attention to the correspondence between what's happening externally and what's happening internally. This is part of my journey. Years and years ago, I was, I was living in, a, in Cumbria, up in the Lake District, and I was in a house which had been shared with my partner. We'd split up, and I was still in the house, and... The mortgage was very high. It was that time when interest rates went crazy. People don't believe me when I say this, but I think they were. I think it was fifteen percent. Wow! Honestly, it was fifteen <laughs> percent. That was the mortgage interest rate. They just went through the roof. It was in the eighties, I think it was, and um, and I couldn't sell the house. <sighs> so so I'm I, we were paying it jointly, and now I'm paying it individually. So my outgoings had doubled effectively. My income hadn't. <laughs> And I just wanted to sell it and move on. And I was stuck, you know, and I was just stuck. And I was, I was getting completely distressed. It became the representation of everything in my life that was stuck and not working. <laughs> and the more I fixated on it, the less interested anybody was in buying it. You know? <laughs> so... <laughs> it it was it was a strange thing it was a lovely house and there was no reason on paper why it wouldn't sell but it, i don't know i couldn't sell it and um i went through this whole process of like first of all catastrophizing what would happen you know how i'm going to end up in deep is homeless and it's going to get repossessed and and it was all very frightening to me at the time and then a strange thing happened i went out for a walk and i lived close to coniston water it's one of the beautiful lakes in the lake district and i went up this hillside where i'd walked many times and i had a kind of a circuit that i you know i could do within about an hour and a half 
And I went up with a plan to do my circuit in just enough time before the daylight finished and uh, I would get back. I get up to the viewpoint where you can see the whole vista of the lake, which is interesting thing when I look back was that I needed to get a different viewpoint. And we're often, you know, with, I think metaphorically, mountains and eagles and high places, they represent that. So without thinking consciously, I put myself up in this higher viewpoint place. And um, I was just about to go back down. The light was fading. I thought I'd better head back down. And my body went the opposite direction. I don't know if you ever had that experience where you had the idea of what you're going to do and you find yourself doing something that's different. It was one of those. I thought, this is weird. I'm going up the path further on rather than down the path back to uh, where my car was parked at the bottom. I thought, well, you know what? I'll just keep going to the end there and where I can see the end of the path and it kind of goes around a corner or something. I'll go that far and turn back just to see. So I went this extra half mile and my mind is scrambled. I don't know why why I'm doing it. It doesn't make sense to me, but it felt like a strong pull. I walked around the corner and there's a stag, a giant red stag, antlers, the whole thing, stood on the path right in front of me, looking me in the eye. And he just stood there, looked at me, like nonchalant, you know. And it was amazing. It was so close to me, and it was huge. I was looking up at this thing. I was looking up at its haunches. Never been that close to a, a stag before. And I had no fear. It's strange. I just looked at it. It looked at me, stood there for about a minute and a half. And a half. It seemed like an eternity. And then it just kind of looked like it had finished with me. <laughs> Casually turned around and walked <laughs> off. And it was weird. I came skipping down that hill. Skipping. I felt energized. I felt something had shifted. I didn't know what. It's the weirdest thing. And I got back to the house. The next morning, the state agent called. Someone who'd looked at it three months earlier, decided, changed their mind, decided they wanted to buy it now. Wow. And I knew it was connected to the fact that something had shifted inside of me. There'd been this almighty letting go of all concern. For some reason, when I got back to my house, I wasn't concerned with whether it sold or it didn't anymore. I just let it go. (laughs) I felt this vast sense of okayness and strength and that this doesn't matter. It's temporary. And it really doesn't matter whether it sells or it doesn't. Uh, not what well, this wasn't coming to me rationally. It was just a feeling mm. of I'm I'm completely okay. I've always been okay. It really doesn't matter. Mm. Why am I making everything depend on this? You know. And it, I, there was this letting go. And as soon as I let it go, literally the next morning, somebody showed up and bought it just like that. Which reminds me of <laughs> how many times you know I used to work as a homeopath and working health professional how many times i had um women or couples come to me where they were trying to have a baby Mm. and it wasn't happening and they got somewhat fixated on that it needed to happen and and the time is ticking away which was my predicament also right time is running out and 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 of course the more obsessed the person or couple seem to get it almost seems like it's it's a baby repellent (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the degree to which you, you absolutely desperately want that to happen is the degree to which it doesn't seem able to happen. And one of the things that I learned was very often I would say, okay, look, we're going to work together, um, but here's the deal. You just need to have a little holiday from the idea of having a baby. <laughs> they think I was nuts. You know? <laughs> and I had to be a bit crafty sometimes and creative to sell that to that say look you know we need to take care of your health first we're going to build up your health and your well-being and everything and then we'll come back to the having the baby thing okay let's give it six months and if they were on board with that it's like oh okay and if they you know if they signed up for that within three months this pregnancy happened i saw it over and over and again with marina and i've heard it many times from people that i haven't worked with that's so magical because it's, what I'm hearing is it's just so much easier than we make it, right? But we complicate it. So yes. it's like, it can't be that simple. It can't be that simple that I just can't think about it. And it, <laughs> I remember, I remember um, 
having, I don't know, like I guess at some point having a real want to, to kind of have a huge impact and make a real big difference. And I was obsessed with being in the media. And one of the big sort of desires was to be on television. Anyway, years later, after my obsession had kind of died down, um, I was I was in March of 2015, and I was watching ITV this morning. I thought, wouldn't it be fun to be on the show? Didn't think about it any more than that. I was then on retreat in Lanzarote with Jan Chip Chipman and Jamie, and I got an email through saying, would you like to come on ITV this morning? <laughs> right. When you weren't even thinking about it. I wasn't even thinking about it. It just showed up. And so I went. But it was so fascinating to me because here we are, set the intention and make it happen. And I've seen it time and time again that things show up in the most unexpected ways that you couldn't even make up. Like I can't, like I rent my villa out here in, 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 in Spain and they've got two bedrooms downstairs. And, you know, that was kind of very separate from this idea of what I want to create with mums, which is a sense of peace and stillness inside so they can actually stop yelling and create much more helpful behaviours when it comes to their household. Anyway, so I'm there chatting to a lady um, this weekend and I mentioned what I do and she's like, oh, you know, do you run any retreats for for women locally? Because she's from Valencia. For a while, I've been sitting with this idea of wanting to do stuff more local in Spanish, but just not really understanding or knowing how to do that or whatever. And then it just came to me. It was just so easy. It was like, actually, yeah, I could I could create something for you and, and your friends if that's something that you would be interested in. I can sort of sit with that and figure something out. So, yeah, and then it was just like, well, that seems easy enough. I and mean, then Valencia is like an hour away. You can just do a little weekender. It's fine. Got the house. They can just come. And so, yeah, it was just, it was just more simple. Like, <laughs> like, it was really like the stag. It was just standing there, right? Yeah. You didn't have to do anything to bring it to you. It was just there all along. It was just, it just happened when it happened. So, anyway, that's kind of. That's kind of what I'm seeing. And I couldn't have made that up. I couldn't have known that, that that was going to ever happen, that any right. strategy that I would come up with. Uh... <laughs> well, so I think one of the things that we both come to see, there's something about surrendering the need for it to happen, hmm. either within a certain time or in a certain way or even at all. There's <laughs> right. something about when we surrender the need, we can still have the idea, we can still have the feeling it would be a nice thing to explore to play with but when there's no attachment to needing it that seems to create a space within which it can enter it seems to me it doesn't guarantee it's going to happen Mm. but there seems to be you know there there does seem to be some correspondence between when we rather than us filling that space with getting busy and what do i need to do and how which I've done a lot of. <laughs> You've got oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll put my hand up to that one. That seems to be counterproductive, we've yes. now learned. And, uh, yeah, I still do it occasionally now, but I tend to catch myself doing it and I notice what I'm up to because I notice the feeling that goes with that. So that feeling of need or anxiety or being driven or urgency can take a few different forms. But that feeling to me now, rather than as a call to action, is a call to leave it alone. And that's been helpful to me through coming to the principles. It's been really helpful for me to see that. That feeling is telling me, leave it alone. This is the time to take the walk on the hill (laughs) or something else like that. Get out of your head. Stop thinking about it. Stop trying to make it happen. Leave it alone. Create that space. And then trust what comes because it might not immediately look like what you thought you were looking for. I'm just really enjoying the space I'm in right now. I knew this would work. That's <laughs> sure. when I speak to you. So I, you said you said like, you said next that there was something that you now have realised. Was it this piece? No, no. I mean that's part of it. I'm just kind of clarifying it as we're, as we're talking. I thought okay. it's interesting. I thought it was interesting that you said. Um, I had this idea that I'd like to be on TV. Well, I had an idea that, that maybe I'd like to work with companies. 
in corporates. People had said that to me periodically over the years. Ian, you should come and do, you should do this in business. Or, and I was like, yeah, I'd love to, but I have no idea how that works. I don't know how to make that happen. That was my story about, around that. So it was, it was a nice idea. It was in the category of it's a nice idea. I felt somewhat drawn to it, but I didn't know how to do that. And then, so I, le- I left it alone. And then one time I was speaking at a conference and Elizabeth Lovius came up to me, who I'd never met before. And we had a little chat. And it turns out she's an executive and leadership coach. She works in corporate. She's now training three principals. And she was looking for someone to work with, with her. <laughs> Would I be interested? <laughs> turns out, I didn't know this at the time, but it turns out Kathy Casey had match made, match made us. <laughs> I trained with Kathy and Mark Howard, and she, Kathy had mentored Elizabeth. And she put it out to Kathy Casey, who was over in California, and said, I'd, I'd like to work with someone else who's, you know, grounded in this understanding, but not necessarily has the same background as me. Kathy said, Ian Watson, go speak to Ian Watson. <laughs> so we were, we were brought together, and we've ended up doing this amazing work in corporates. Now, last year, we were working with Discovery Channel. Right now, we're working with Samsung. Wow, that's so cool. We've been working with the Pratt Foundation. We, we, it's just amazing, and it, it just keeps opening up. I would not in a million years have known how to make any of that happen. But Elizabeth knows very well. She's very well connected in that field, she, and we, we're really loving that as a shared journey. So that, to me, is an example of what you were saying, where you have the idea and you leave it alone. It comes to you in its own time, but also in its own way. I couldn't have predicted the form of that or who, who it would involve or, or any of it. Um, but I'm intrigued by the part of, like, where did the idea come from? Mm. Oh, because... yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> it can seem somewhat random. And yet, I don't think it is, actually. I think those ideas that just kind of float in on a gentle breeze and... We can ignore them, but then they float in again. You know, they, they kind of stick around. Again, it's something that I've learned to pay more attention to, where something just starts bubbling up to you as an area of interest or intrigue or, ooh, that would be fun, right? It's not a need. It's just a, hmm. Where does the energy want to go kind of thing? That's, yeah. yeah, that's it. It's not really coming from you personally. It's that energy is literally coming, bubbling up within you, and it's almost directing you, it's nudging you to look in a certain direction that you might not have paid any attention to before. And suddenly that, that area starts to light up for you. It starts to look intriguing and interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where I'm sitting right now with this, this Valencia thing. You know, like I'm, I'm kind of really like, ooh, yeah, that's really juicy for me that, that women can come from Valencia and spend the weekend here and just go deep and then leave and just go back into their lives again. Like to me that, that is just so easy. It's like less complicated than bringing people over from the UK, whatever, just that's all great. It just feels easy. I don't know. Like, yeah. And I think that that's one of the keys to recognizing what's, what is for us at any particular moment is that there's an ease to it. There's a natural unfolding that's waiting to happen. But it requires us to kind of participate in that dance. You know? <laughs> yeah. sitting on the sidelines and going, you're being nudged to go and dance. And you're like, nope, I'm not going to go and do that right now. I'm going to sit can, here. and We can do that, right? We can say I'm not ready and I don't know how and, and all of that. We can get fixed in the idea that we need to know the hows and the whys and the shoulds and the therefores. And, of course, that just creates more noise. But if we don't do that, if we follow the nudge, then what we're essentially doing is following breadcrumbs and we don't know where they're leading mm-hmm. and we only get to see the next two or three. <laughs> you know, we can't see numbers six, seven, eight, nine, ten, And that's, in a way, that's the fun thing about it, but it requires a, a kind of trust that there's a, a deeper intelligence at work. So this is the other piece that I think is in, is, it's only become more relevant to me now or visible to me now than it used to be, is the, the recognition that there's, there's an unfolding path that's available to all of us, that's individual and unique to each of us. Mm. And 
you could call it soul's purpose or destiny. I don't don't think it matters what you call it. But for me, there is a, a value in acknowledging that there might be some kind of guiding uh, intelligence behind each individual life, and that our part of our task in life is to listen in for that and to open ourselves to its guidance and to recognize that it's it's something that. Um, the, the deepest fulfillment in life, in a way, can only come by following that. And it seems to know, it seems to know what's right for us and what isn't. And what's what I would call what's good medicine for us and what isn't. I don't, I don't mean medicine in terms of pills. I think you know what I mean by that. Good medicine is like what's nurturing for us, what's right for us. What are the people that are the, our tribe, you know, the people that are going to be um, our colleagues and collaborators. and um, what's the field of uh, influence that we're going to be working in, at least for this phase of our life? And of course, it can change as, as you go through life. But I just have that growing sense that there is um, there is a kind of a blueprint that's available for all of us, but it's individual, so no one can tell you what it is, and and you can't you can't come to it through any kind of rational reasoning, figuring it out. It's something that comes to you and through you, and it's unfolded through your life's journey. You're given piece by piece by piece through your life's journey. Now, recognizing that, or taking that into account, that changes the manifestation game for me again. Because with, within that context, within the context of, look, there's a, there's a, there's a, I don't want to call it higher purpose, but let's say there's a deeper something at work here, which is not to do with just what I think I want. <laughs> There's also what is it that I'm here to learn and grow and develop as a, you know, as a, an individual soul, if you like. Um, within that context, then <laughs> it reminds me of, you know, Byron Katie. Hmm. I, I was struck by a quote from her a while ago where she said something like, she said, if you have a goal and it hasn't been achieved, you've been spared. <laughs> That's so funny. And she, she doesn't really explain what she means, which I like, because that means you can, there's depth to it and you can kind of, mm. there's a lot in that, I think. So, but what is, what is she pointing towards? Well, I think part of what she's pointing towards is that we can go after stuff because we think it would be good for us. And sometimes we can down well make it happen, you know, by force of will. But often that can bring in its wake a whole host of other problems that we didn't even need or wish for. Yes, I know that. I know, I know that one very well. And it usually has led to loss of money. Yeah. <laughs> for me exactly so within the context of well look there's something that i as an individual um, i'm here to learn and grow and develop then then it would make sense that actually there are certain things that are going to be in alignment with that and there are certain things that are not and i don't want to be going after creating the things that are not because ultimately what what's not for me is not going to stay with me you know if I'm not, if I'm not meant to be a millionaire, let's let's put it that way. Mm. But I make it happen that I become one. I'm going to be a miserable millionaire, <laughs> <laughs> or I'm going to be a millionaire like yourself who manages through stress and striving to accumulate, only to have it all be taken away from me. Mm. That's not what I'm here to learn. That's not what's what's really good medicine for me in this life. It's not what I really need. Maybe I need to learn something about trust and um, and 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 receiving the the benefits of friendship or something like that. You know, maybe I maybe I'm required to fall on hard times so that I can let myself be looked after. Maybe that's a more important thing for me to learn here than the fact that I can get it all by my own manifestation powers. So that's a, that also changes the game for me. Just having that context of that there's a 
there's a deeper part of me that knows what I'm here for. And whatever's in alignment with that, I can open myself to it and let it come to me. And I can recognize it because there's usually an ease that goes with that. There's an interest and there's an ease to it. Yeah, I, I really hear you and I hear that. What what this kind of implies then is that we can do away with the comparison. I remember um, there being a moment where I had this insight about nobody's having the same insight as me in the same moment. Yes. Which would suggest then that this has to be a unique path. Yeah. Because it's only through insight that we walk into a different new reality. And as a result of that new reality, we now know where we need to go or what action we need to take. And so that's not happening for the every any any everybody at the same time, and they're not having that same insight either. That's right. Which is why you're exactly right. It doesn't do to compare, but it's so tempting. To oh, it's at, so tempting, isn't it? Look, look at what someone else has <laughs> successfully created. Well, I'd like to do that too. And, and then we look at the strategy. So this is interesting to me. Is we go, how did you do that? And then the person goes. Well, this is the strategy that I used. So use the strategy and it will work. Mm-hmm. But Ian, in your experience, what, what take do you have on that one? Well, you and I both know that they didn't really follow that strategy themselves, right? <laughs> <laughs> they came up with it afterwards is what usually happens. They look back and then they saw what they did. But when they were actually doing it, they were doing what you just described prior to. They were literally following some inner impulse, one step at a time, and it was being made visible to them in the process. Right? So in that sense, it wasn't a strategy for them. And so when you... when It was inner wisdom being followed. Inner wisdom being followed. And so I'm wondering whether you doing the inner wisdom being followed translates in, well, let me share my inner wisdom being followed and put that into your life, does that work? Well, I don't think it really works unless it acts as a catalyst for the person to access their own wisdom. Mm. So if it does that, then it's helpful. Versus do this and you'll get the result. Because then that's not really coming from wisdom. It's basically just cookie cutting. Exactly. And it's not particularly helpful. And it's not helpful. And we know that because the the bookshops are full of self-help books, which people follow their wisdom. It turned out great. So great that they wrote a book about it. (laughs) Right. Here's one. (laughs) And I'm sure yours is brilliant here's one the joy of being here we go this one this one this one's well worth a read because it talks about living from wisdom so well that you see that to me is a valid message (laughs) right if you're if you're actually sharing that that is what you've come to find is the only thing that really works then that that is a message that i think needs to be heard in fact it's amazing i was literally just writing some text for a newsletter before we had this call that's my topic which that looks to me increasingly like um, if each of us were to follow our own wisdom more than we are currently doing, that would pretty much solve everything. Not just individually, but in our families, in our work situation, in our society, even what we think are the big problems out there. I don't see any separation between what look like the big problems out there, the state of the planet, the, you know, the greed of corporations. You can track it all back to individuals listening or not listening to their own wisdom. That's so cool because that really makes it so simple. Like I remember, remember I recently done a video because you and I talked about this where um, Leo, my son, was showing some weird and wonderful behaviors at school. And it looked to me like I was being very affected by that. And um, I spent pretty much yesterday and a lot, the day before, in a lot of anxiety around it. Anyway, yesterday I was like, I need to go and take the dog for a walk. And as I was walking, what suddenly came to me was, hang on a second, he's just acting out on his own feelings and being hijacked by them. Fuck, that happens to me too. That's all that's going on. 
And what if instead of being hijacked by my feelings, what if I could share, show him a different way mm. by walking away or doing something else? Because mm. that's kind of the conversation I was having with him anyway. And he's like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, well, of course. And, and then it just occurred to me, well, he doesn't because maybe mummy's not been showing him. Mm. And, and also we're human. And sometimes in the moment, we don't know what to do. Yeah. And so it just, it just came to me that actually there's nothing wrong. It's just in that moment, he was just being hijacked by his feelings. And, and I was like, oh, okay, so, so that's kind of cool that I've seen that now. Because I was judging it and, and turning that into a really big problem. And so when you were saying, you know, following your wisdom in your family dynamic, to me, that's what I'm doing more and more of these days is, is going, okay, there is an answer here. I just don't know what it is yet. It will come when it's good and ready. And when it does, okay, then, then it's not late. Right. <laughs> it's not late. Like, you know, oh, I wish I'd had that insight years ago. <laughs> um, it came yeah. at the right time. Yeah. We can't know before we know. That's it. And we're not in charge of the sequence of our knowing and, and, and the unfolding of it. It seems, but I, uh, yeah, I love that. And, uh, and we, what we can do is we can always make ourselves available to wisdom. Yeah. Once we know that it's there, that it's accessible, that it, it never goes anywhere. We just turn towards it or we turn away from it. Once we know that we can always make ourselves more available to wisdom and than we have been. And so when you say more available to wisdom, can you share a little bit more about that? Cause that sounds like a really beautiful idea, but in, can you give me an example? Well, like the example you just gave is as good as any. It's, uh, it, it occurred to you to take the dog for a walk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought I was doing it for a different reason, you know, just to keep fit. Right. <laughs> and just as it occurred for, to me to go and have a walk up that mountain. Mm. And all I knew in that moment, and probably all you knew in that moment, was that Following that thought felt better than following the thought you'd been having prior, right? Yeah. That's all that. We, that's the clue that we're given. It it has a nicer feeling to it, even if it doesn't seem to be leading anywhere productive or useful. And in the moment, at least it has a nicer feeling. But that feeling is a helpful feedback. When I had that idea, I'll just go for a walk. I already felt a little bit easier within myself. It's like okay, I can just put it down for a, a moment. Right, so that's really what I'm talking about when when we say when I say make yourself available to wisdom, I mean you're willing to put it down in terms of leave it alone, stop thinking around it and over it and um, under it, and <laughs> <laughs> let go of the intellectual mode, and you move yourself into the inspirational mode, insightful mode, which is um, it's the more feminine mode, it's more receptive. Mm. It requires us to open ourselves to the unknown. It's not difficult. It's very natural to us, um, but, but it's not necessarily what we've been encouraged to do. I love that. It's like it's not difficult. I, I was speaking to a client of mine yesterday. Over there. She, we were doing, um, I have an online program called um, Back to Balance, and it's for mums who feel totally out of balance. And, I, and one of the things we were talking about, she said to me, which I love, 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 and, and I said, I'm going to use that, is it's easier to be calm. And I loved it because what I hear, what's being put out there is it's, it's difficult to be calm. Mm-hmm. And actually what she was saying is, is what I heard in that is that it's our true nature, so therefore it's easier to be in it. Always, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, we lose sight of that. Yeah, it's like what we're already doing is difficult. <laughs> I, I know, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> That's difficult. That's tiring, you know, all of that. It's exhausting. Overthinking is, is exhausting for all of us. But letting it go and creating that space and just relaxing, and then from that place of being relaxed, just doing what makes sense without judgment around it. Well, right now it makes sense to me to walk the dog, even though I think I need to sort this out. This is what feels right. Yeah. I've been willing to go with that. Yeah. 
Ian, so glad I reached out to you and that it was the right thing to do. <laughs> well, that's great. I, I love that. I have not, we've not spoken to each other for a couple of years, so it's I always know, a I love it. <laughs> I really needed to hear this today. I really, really, like I knew on some level that this conversation would actually do something for me. So thank you. So anybody listening, it hasn't done anything for you. Listen to it again. <laughs> and again, and well, maybe, again, and maybe again. it was just for us. Who knows? <laughs> maybe, maybe. It was totally, what I love about this podcast, it's totally selfish on my part because I'm like, I get all the juice. I know, that's the best, isn't it? <laughs> if anybody else benefits, it's a happy side effect. I know, exactly. It's not about that. It's all about me and me actually having a much better uh, understanding. So, um, it, actually, you know, before we close is there anything else you'd love to share around this that maybe you haven't shared that you feel like yeah the only i think the last the last bit that would maybe tie the, the ends together would be um you hear people who are into the manifestation game talk about things like um a vibrational match i don't know if you've heard that expression yes and that's also intriguing to me and i think that there's truth in that too because um everything in nature has a vibrational match why wouldn't we? Everything's energy, right? Everything, in essence, is energy. And you could say that all energy has a frequency. Yeah. And that frequency varies. Mm-hmm. So when, when a flower opens and puts out its pollen and its perfume, it's attractive to particular insects, bees, butterflies, not to others. The others are going somewhere else. That, to me, is an example of a vibrational match. If you have a magnet, you put it near anything that's steel or iron, it's attractive. You can't pick up aluminium or copper with it. This is not a vibrational match. Everything in nature is in relationship to, to everything else, but it has within that, it has specific things and circumstances and things in its environment that it's attracted towards. And there's always a, a reciprocal arrangement going on. You know, the, the bees getting the nectar, but it's also distributing the pollen, which helps the plant to pollinate. And as an on and on and on like this, it's all interconnected. Mm. And what that says to me is that we're part of nature and we also have our uniqueness. And so there's going to be certain things that are a vibrational match for each of us. And it changes as our vibration changes. So as our consciousness changes, our vibration changes, what's, what matches us is going to, is going to change to, to suit. Yeah, and I've seen that, especially in relationships. <laughs> Very visible in that area of life. Right. Because one of the things that I realized recently was that you can meet someone, but you're not necessarily in the best vibration at the time or best. You're in the vibration you're in. And maybe that they're, they're in the, the, the highest vibration that they're in. And then as you shift, they may just stay. So there can't be a match. It's, it's yeah. just energetically, it just can't, yeah. can't fit. That's right. Um, and there's, so in this case, I can really see how that works with people and clients. Like there will be a certain vibrational match with clients that come to yep. you um, and others that don't. They have to go somewhere else to work with someone else, right? Yeah. Well, I'm starting to see that it, 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 it's a principle. It applies across the board. So we can see it with clients. We can see it with relationships. Well, we can see it with food certain things that we like and we're drawn towards that seem to be good for us and certain other things, which are not. <laughs> so, um, we could, I was walking out on the Heath. I live near Hampstead Heath and there were people swimming in the pond. And I thought, well, that looks nice, but I don't feel like doing it. <laughs> you know, I wanted to go walk up on Parliament Hill. I wanted to be up on the hill and in the grass and on the trees. They wanted for that other person they just were longing to be in the water. So where is it, where is it not happening that we're drawn to some th- certain things and we're not drawn to others? On any given day, right? Because that can yeah. change for you. You might decide yeah. that the pond's a great idea tomorrow. 
right. It's fluid. It's dynamic. It's not a fixed static thing. But to me, that is also, it just gives, it opens up another dimension to this whole manifestation business because what I'm, what I get more interested in is, well, what's a good match for me at this moment in my life? Oh. (laughs) Mm, I'm just going to let that one sink in. Oh, okay. (laughs) Thank you, Marina. Always a pleasure. Yeah, like, thank you so much for this conversation, Ian. Like, I'm so glad that, that I trusted and reached out to you. And um, we've had this conversation because it's definitely been, I'm going to definitely listen to this again. Um, that If somebody want, was like, oh, my God, this guy, Ian, like, I have to get hold of him and talk to him about vibrational match. He's obviously crazy. <laughs> 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 he's my kind of crazy <laughs> with this geezer how can they um how can they get in contact with you okay so i've got a couple of websites they can check me out one is the insightspace.com and the other one is wisdom and wellbeing.co.uk nice so, and yeah if anything uh, resonates for you feel free to drop me an email or a message i'd be happy to hear from you well, if anything's if anything is to go by on, on today, like hanging out with Ian has just been wonderful, and I, I've I've I think this is the podcast where I've had my mind blown like four or five times already in just one session. So I don't know what that's going to do for me, but I'm excited to see what shows up as a result. So thank you so much, Ian. It's been wonderful to speak to you. And thank um, you, thank you, big pleasure. Until the next time, bye bye for now. And there we have it, another amazing episode of The Joy of Being. If you enjoyed this podcast, you may well enjoy the book as well. You can either download a free chapter, www.marinapearson.com slash chapter, where I go into much more depth into how we can create more time and space as mum. And if that doesn't fly and you're more curious about getting the entire book, then you can do that too at www.marinapearson.com slash book. Until the next time, remember, you are the joy you seek.